Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. Before I move on with this episode, the main body of which is an interview with the members of Armstrong Gun, that's Dan, Carmen and Lewis, I need to address something about the last episode. So that was part five, which I said at the time was my final part of my series of virtual 11 episodes with Andrew DeBroy. Um, but I was alerted to the fact by George from the Metal Gods podcast that I had in fact skipped the song Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger. No, it wasn't deliberate. It's probably everybody's least favourite song or maybe second least favourite next to Angel and the Gambler on that album. It wasn't a deliberate move so that you wouldn't have to endure us talking about that song. It was an accidental move. As I went to edit the final episode, which I thought, sorry, was the final episode of the series, I went straight to Como Esta Amigos, and I didn't realise that I had skipped that song. So, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, there's another one of those episodes coming your way very soon. It'll just be that song, Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger. So, I just had to address that before we move on. A bit of a fuck-up on my part, but, as I said, these episodes were edited over a long period of time and recorded over even longer a period of time, so... um, I just dropped the ball a bit there. Sorry about that. So, Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger, part six of the original trilogy. And then a pentalogy is coming soon. Another thing I wanted to mention is that I've now put up one of those link tree links on my Twitter uh, page. And that's at Feckin' Metal Cast, by the way. Uh, so you can see all the places where Feckin' Metal is available. Not all the places, most of the places. But the more popular places based on my download statistics. I know some people see the Spotify link up on Twitter or on Facebook maybe sometimes, and they may think, oh, well, I don't have Spotify, or I don't pay for Spotify, I'm not going to listen to that, maybe. Uh, I had a request recently from Dave, or known as Racer24 on Twitter, uh, asking why the podcast wasn't available on Stitcher. Uh, I didn't realise it wasn't available on Stitcher. I never really noticed any people talking about Stitcher too much. But uh, I went about putting it up on Stitcher, so if it's somewhere where you would like to listen to it and it's not there, let me know and I can try and put it up. Um, Or else you can go and examine the link tree. Uh, It does list the most popular places where the podcast is, but if you actually just click into any of the links, it lists a lot more places as well. So there you go, just a bit of business to get out of the way before I continue. Now, this episode I'm about to bring you, or this interview, should I say, features all three members of Armstrong Gun. As I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, this is to do with the release of their debut album, their self-titled album, which is available in all the usual places. It comes highly recommended from me, and I'm sure it does come highly recommended from the band as well. And on that note, let's talk to Cameron, Dan, and Lewis from Armstrong Gun. So we have Armstrong Gun in full force here on Feckin' Metal. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. I like your T-shirt there, Cameron. Thank you very much. That's an oath T-shirt. <laughs> I know. I was interviewing Stephen there only recently. I know. I listened to it. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I've had was... uh, both interviews you've done, actually. Good interview. Oh, did you? All right. Good stuff. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Good music as well. I sound, yeah. I was actually trying to meet up with him in Belfast for Iron Maiden, but um, yeah, we, we just didn't. Our, pa- our paths, no, our paths didn't cross. Like he was up in the uh, Voodoo, and he just uh, left by the time we we got there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But sure, shit happens. There was about five other people I tried to meet up there as well, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> but um, there'll be other right, opportunities so in the future, no doubt. Absolutely, but we're not here to talk about Oath. We're here to talk about Armstrong Gun, and uh, I have. All three members of the band here with me. I've only done this once before, where I had multiple people on the interview. So it's Dan Mortimer, who's bass and vocals, Lewis Tucker, who's vocals and drums, and Cameron Smith on guitars. 
Um, so, yeah, as I said, welcome to Feckin' Metal. Thank you. Thank you very much. The name of the band, I had to look up Armstrong Gun. I was wondering if it was a reference to something. I was thinking maybe Alan Partridge or something, just because of Dan. But it's actually, uh, it's a type of gun. Uh, it looks kind of like a cannon. What's the story behind that? It is a type of gun, but um, the, the actual band name came from a pub, which is named after the gun. So we didn't we didn't actually know what the gun was. It was named after a pub. But, uh... A pub? <laughs> All right. We've actually got We've a picture there, of yeah. um, us standing outside of the pub in Egham. We took it, uh, what, about four months ago, was it? I no, it wasn't remember. that long ago. But yeah, Lewis, um, you would go to that pub when you went to uni, didn't you? I don't think I ever went in. I always walked past it. I always just always used to cop the uh, the, bad, the the pub name on the side. And yeah. I think, oh, that make a <laughs> that make a good name for a band. And then four, <laughs> four years thereafter, said the band happened, and uh, yeah. <laughs> we uh, we used to be called Blackfire, but um, uh, we did some googling, and it was a little bit too common. Oh, so yeah, um, yeah. we decided to change it. Right. Well, that's the thing with band names, isn't it? So I, I talked to Stephen about this. Like, there's a billion oats out there, and obviously he changed the name as a result of that to Oat SC. Um, but like, you have to be very uh, creative, I think, when you're coming up with a band name, so that it's not already taken. So I reckon, I'm guessing that there's no other Armstrong guns out. There. No, no, we, 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 we did, we did search because <laughs> I think there were, <laughs> as Smithy said, there were about five or six other black fires out there at the time. Yeah, we had a. Mm. Well, Dan and I had a, uh, a band a band meeting excluding Smithy. It took us, it took us <laughs> about three or four months of badgering him before we changed the name. But uh, yeah, we, we, we did but make our, sure our, there was no other bands out there. Well, our, we call it a meeting, our, but we only went to the pub, didn't we? And we were like, oh, we, we can't be called Blackfire. Can't do that. Sure. Well, if Ian Gillen can join Black Sabbath in a pub, then you can change your band name in a pub as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so right. our original logo was practically, well, it's very similar to what is currently the Armstrong Gun one, with a few minor tweaks here and there. Like, it still had the, uh, I don't know what you call it, a rhombus with the yeah. the name in the middle with the, the line going through it. Right, yeah. I do like the artwork, actually. It's nice. It's, it, yeah, it gives old-school heavy metal vibes to me. Um, I think, though, a while ago, Dan, when you sent me some music, I don't know if these are songs that are featured on the album, I didn't get as much of a metal vibe from the songs as I do listening to it. I'm not sure, though, if those were songs that you later changed or something like that, but the album is very heavy, very metal, but I can't remember it feeling that way when you first sent me some music they maybe probably, a few months back. They probably were on the album, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know why they sounded a lot different when we actually recorded them, but, yeah. Yeah, they they probably were on the album. Yeah. Okay. And it, so okay. So how long have you four known? Or four? I'm looking at four people here. You three <laughs> known each other? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, I've known Lewis for God like 25 years probably. We um okay. we went to school together and we've we've always been been friends with each other. Uh, Cameron's a bit younger. We're we're well. Me and Lewis are both 28, going on 29. Cameron's only 24. So we we didn't know him during school. But um, I think that Lewis and Cameron met each other at the pub and then I got introduced and then we all became friends and whatnot. And yeah. Okay. So uh, decent length friendships there. And um, yeah. how long then has Armstrong gone? You said four years, I think, uh, Lewis has been gone. Uh, I've been in the band four years. I think it was, I think the Genesis was about a year before I joined Smithy. We were able to, it's Smithy's band. He He started it. So he's probably the best one to answer. I wouldn't say it was my band, but um, 
We uh, so I used to uh, hang out with a guy. Well, I still do hang out with a guy called Jack Sanders at um, my college and school, and we were big into heavy metal, hard, hard rock, whatever. And he was badgering me for ages to learn guitar, and that was probably about 2015. So okay. started learning guitar. Um, and then we did a few sort of garage takes. It was going okay. And then a <laughs> famous drunken night out that I met Lewis in a pub uh, because I think he was wearing a Judas Priest T-shirt and I was wearing a Megadeth T-shirt. I don't know. It's a bit blurry. And uh, friend, <laughs> we, heavy metal yeah, friend, heavy metal mates, and we started jamming. Um, and then we were slowly getting a direction because we used to sort of jam blues sort of heavy blues stuff and then i don't quite know what happened i do i, I remember <laughs> very... what happened. Like when, when i first started jamming with smithy <laughs> i remember thinking this i remember thinking he's got the drive he's got the talent he just doesn't have the music taste <laughs> to, to be in a, in, a, in a proper english metal band um so yeah that was a, that was a slow process towards becoming uh what he we was feeding now. me a lot of random demos here and there and i was like cool i like that <laughs> so yeah so what were you what were you listening to back then cameron uh well i've always been brought up on uh like 70s rock so i'm a massive kiss fan which is very different to a lot of the guys in the band but i've always loved black sabbath my mate was a massive van halen nut and got me into that so kind of heavy but not as heavy as more american yeah more american stuff really I wasn't really okay. too much into the English stuff, to be honest. But Fair obviously enough. that changed Heathen. <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, I, I can hear a lot of Sabbath in the band, which I think is interesting because I, I obviously saw that you put the album up on the New Wave of Traditional Heavy Metal albums channel, and I'm seeing a lot of New Wave of British Heavy Metal references. To me, I, I hear more Black Sabbath. I'll get to that a bit later, though. But then you're saying that you have to you had to school Cameron or Smithy on... Uh, Music, Lewis. So, what 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 kind of things were you introducing them to? Um, so we we started off doing covers. I think we all decided to choose one cover. Um, I can't remember what the other two chose, but mine was uh, a Diamond Dead song called "Dead Reckoning." And I think, okay. if memory serves, I played it once, and Smithy got an earworm from it. And I think that was yeah. that was the genesis of his uh, his conversion, as it were. To, to yeah, them, but, but I kept <laughs> if we were drunk down the pub or something I'd, I'd get my phone out and I'll start playing Tank and Tigers of Pantang and stuff like that oh yeah I suppose Tank is kind of the big turning point actually because I think right. we we do we kind of sound like Tank I wouldn't sound we sound similar but um, yeah that was kind of a big turning point actually the Honour and Blood album is the big turning point for me Okay, I, it's a band I'm familiar with, but I haven't really listened to extensively, so I reckon I you won't like be him. able to. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, no. Do you know what? Like, it's one of those new wave of British heavy metal bands who, are, like, they are British, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, they you know, faded into obscurity, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I gave them a, a bit of a like. It's like ninety five percent of them, all of which are playing a Keep a True Rising too. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, but. Uh, they, uh, they're not, they're not somebody I gave it a proper listen to, so I must go and investigate them. Okay, so and Dan, then what's your background then musically? I mean, I know you a bit better than the other two lads, but for the listener, yeah. So I, I, I started off playing guitar originally at the age of like thirteen, fourteen, whatever, um, and I jammed with Lewis quite a fair bit when we were you know, like in school and everything, um, and then, well, like Cameron mentioned earlier, they they had a different drummer at one point called Jack. And he left the band 
And then there was a lineup change after that. Toka went over to the drums and then I I became the bass player. Yeah, but um nice. but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Maiden fan, as you well know. I like uh, Black Sabbath a lot too, Metallica, Megadeth, all the all the greats, you know, but yeah. Good stuff. Okay, so then Lewis, you're drumming as well as playing or sorry, as well as singing, sorry. Um, is it, are, there, are there actual drums on the album? It's not like a drum machine or anything like that? Um, <laughs> funny story. Uh, we used an acoustic <laughs> drum kit, which the recording of which wasn't particularly good at all. Uh, so I think the majority of what okay. you're hearing on the album is triggered uh, into a, some sort of digital drum kit. I don't know, you'll have to ask our producer. But um, it's, think, not really a, a it's not really a real drum kit. You got a digital snare, a digital bass uh, pedal. I think I think I think oh, everything yeah. is digitized. I'm pretty I'm pretty oh, sure. So, okay, so when you say that, so is that still somebody physically playing the drums and then some kind of post production uh, adjustment to them, or is it uh, electronic drums? Uh, well, the hit the hits are all where I hit the drums. That's the only thing that you're right. hearing. But they've all been replicated electronically, haven't pretty they? Pretty much, yeah. They've just now, replaced the sound with an, with a digital sound. They haven't completely. I think the cymbals and the room mic are. So you're getting like a mix, basically. But it is more of an electronic mix, if we want to be really technical about it. Okay. I don't want to get too technical into it, because I haven't got a notion about drum playing at all. So. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's just enough. <laughs> but I was curious, because you obviously have two roles in the band. Um, so then, when you did your... I saw you did a live gig there recently. Um, I can't remember from the footage, but are you singing while playing the drums? Uh, yeah, three, three of the... No, four of the seven songs we played. Um, yeah. Then we have a whole halfway mark and Dan takes over the, the lead vocals. But yeah, for the for the first four songs, I'm, I'm drumming and singing. And you did a really good job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a great how do you, So you're doing a Phil Collins kind of thing. Uh, how do you find that? Uh, can you... <laughs> Or, or the guy from Exciter who I I've, saw. Yeah, uh, I've, I've seen him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Dan and I saw Exciter, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But yeah, um, I find it easier than... I mean, I used to dabble with singing and playing bass, and I can never do that. So For some reason, I find drumming and singing easier. I don't know why that is. Yeah, that's strange. It's interesting to me because I... I pissed around with the guitar when I was 15 or 16 I got guitar lessons and I could never sing and strum at the same time so to me the concept of playing drums and singing just seems like a fucking I don't, like a, a, I don't know how I would do that level of multitasking yeah you'd think it'd be more difficult wouldn't you I, I suppose with all your limbs <laughs> and moving around aren't they if you make if you make the drum beat as simple as possible it's uh <laughs> it's quite easy so let's talk about the album uh it was released recently and it is available on Spotify and streaming platforms, also Bandcamp. It's just self-titled, Armstrong Gun. Uh, how long have these songs been kicking around? Sorry, the 3rd of July it was released, I should say. Sorry, How long have these songs been kicking around? Are these years old? Are these the same age as the band? Do they predate Lewis's um, joining the band? Or how long have they been going? Yeah, they're all pretty old, aren't they? A fair few of them were, um, well, semi-formed before I even joined. And uh, the two ones which I've got co-writes on well well three technically but even they're dating back to like 2020 probably we recorded it in september 2021 but yeah it took a long time to um get it produced and mastered and whatnot and uh yeah came out nearly sorry did later. i have did i have that right sorry lewis were you an original member or did you join to replace somebody um i think i've replaced the bassist didn't i smithy oh 
they were they were looking they were looking for a bassist and the, the old drummer came up to me at a house party um, and said that they were looking for a bassist and then about a week week after that I was invited I mean the original the formation of the band was technically two guitars and a bass player and a drummer but I mean I'd I'd call us pretty original because we're a totally different band now it's kind of like okay yeah Right, but so there's been a few people through the band, and the songs are a few years old. Basically. Yeah, I mean the the songs. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. okay. So then, uh, so no, no music survives from when previous members were in the band, or nothing. No, nothing. Not really. No. None of none of it would have been suitable. I mean, we had some original songs that were almost like southern southern rock based at times, and I think we even had a twelve bar. It, Nah. Oh, oh, the one. No, Howling. no, we don't have any songs actually. Howlin technically was with, with Jack in the band, and I suppose that one was. Yeah, the even that one's got quite a different feel to everything else in the album. I feel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So you had quite a bit of traction on the new wave of traditional heavy metal full albums channel, um, yeah, which very happy is <laughs> cur- curated by Anderson Tiago, who I interviewed a long time ago. Um, how did how did that come about and? Did he approach you? Did you approach him? And how has that been? Uh, he approached us, which was pretty nice. Uh, he sent a message on the Facebook uh, account and just asked if he could add it. And I was like, yeah, go for it, because that'll get it out to a wider audience. So sent it over to him. Uh, and I think it's been up there 10 days, and it's got almost 6K views. It's it's mental. It does, yeah. 5.9 thousand. Oh, there you uh, go. There's the today, exact just, number. Just before, I, <laughs> just before we went on. Um, so you must be pleased with the response that's got. It's got some very positive feedback from people. Uh, a lot of people comparing it to New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Some people referencing the Tigers of Pantang and other bands like that. Um, so h- how have you received that response? Like, Are you happy with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely overjoyed. Yeah, really happy about it. Yeah, especially the journey that it's taken. I mean, it's been, what, three three years trying to get it? Completely all done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really and, uh, happy about it. Like, had you done many gigs? Had you done any gigs? No. Um, no okay. No, so we, we, we did one about a year ago, which wasn't the right environment at all. Like, it was like a, like a family day out type thing. And we were, we were on okay. stage and it was like a bunch of like families with their children and like people that we'd invited along. And uh, no, not really the right um, environment. Okay. I mean, like, no we, we played effort. all right, I thought, but um, you could tell how you could tell how nervous we were, and um, yeah, we we were actually completing a, a battle of the bands, and we came last. You know? right. Okay. <laughs> they, they did the announcement at the end, and it was like in fourth place, and then you know, they read out whichever <laughs> band nothing. it was, and then. And then I thought, by the time it got to two, I thought, like, well, no, we haven't, we definitely haven't won it, have we? You know, but what yeah. what was the, the battle of the bands like? Was it a local thing or? What? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty much. It was supposed to be from bands exclusively from where we played, which was Horsham. Um, at the last minute, they they drafted us in from from Hawley. So I don't know whether there was some uh, <laughs> some discrimination going on there. Out of town bands. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic! <laughs> Th- to me, that's a T-shirt. Like fourth place in the Battle of the Bands, or whatever, whatever you said the area was. Oh, we've got we've got a brilliant we've got a brilliant picture, which is basically yeah. us on stage, and 
from where from where from where the picture's been crooked, one bloke just one laying, bloke on laying on the grass, laying on the grass, eating his cheese and pickle sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think I mean that like um, puts hairs on your chest as a band. You know, I think everybody needs those stories. Oh, we played to you know minus one person in some shithole. Blah blah blah. You know, yeah, it's it's kind of a um, it's a rite of passage, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, but it could have gone better. Oh, well. oh, of course it could. Yeah. But we so, played one the other week, and uh, I thought it went really fantastic. Really, really chuffed with that. That one. was an awesome yeah. gig. That yeah, I saw some, really, a, really a bit fun. of footage there, Dan, you sent on um, one of the songs you were singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so what I was going to ask you then, by the the logic behind asking you had you done many gigs, was then if you haven't really had that um, instant feedback from people, from the audience, having not done too many gigs, what has it been like then having that level of feedback from the new wave of traditional heavy metals channel? Because obviously you can put up something on Spotify, but you don't know what people are thinking uh, when they listen to it. So having those comments, have, have you looked at the comments people have been posting and how has that been? Or how, like, what's that like to get the kind of instant feedback from the audience? Yeah, I've, I've read all of them, yeah. Well, it's really nice. It's suddenly suddenly paid off now, hasn't it? Mm. And it means that everything's appreciated. And once I think we learned from playing the gig the other day, um, once you get it out to the right audience and it's appreciated, then you know you, you get a more drive to to carry on. Really, yeah, it's been uh, right. it's certainly been motivational. I don't think any any of us going in to the studio um, would have expected it to have been received the way it has. I think I think yeah. I can speak for you. Yeah, by that point they'd been kicking around for so long. We we just wanted to get it done. You know, I was really fed up of it, like playing all of them. But but um, yeah, having uh, sat on it for a while, and I actually I put the album up on YouTube the other day, and uh, no, I'm really proud of it. Definitely one to put on the bucket list. You know, you should be. Yeah. It's a very good album. Well, we will get to that in a couple of minutes. Uh, Another thing I wanted to ask you, though, was so this is a self-released album, so essentially you own the rights to it. You don't have to ask permission from anybody to do anything with it. We we own we own it all. It's all ours. Right. I don't think even I don't think even Nobby wanted any I mean, credits or. That's true. We paid for it, yeah. So that's a by Nobby. We mean the the bloke who actually produced the album. Okay, and what did you did you pay for his services, or is he just a friend of yours? Or yeah, yeah. it was still cheap though. What, what did we pay like seven hundred, five hundred? Yeah, seven hundred. And then we rented out the studio for like five hundred. <laughs> he didn't want, didn't want his name attached to it. <laughs> but yeah, he said he didn't uh, in the nice way. He didn't want anything to be done with it. He said it's ours, you know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but no, but to be a- fair, I, I spoke to him when the single was released because we released Smart Kills uh, well, a month before, and he was really chuffed with how even the single was received. So, you know, it's just nice. It's a nice position to be in, though, because you don't need to get permission from anybody if you want to use the music in any way or, or oh, share absolutely. it with anybody, yeah. things like that. Um, right, good stuff. So, let's move on to chatting about the actual album. Um, I thought it was a very heavy open, very prominent bass playing in the album. Um, is that like, I don't know, I know, Dan, you're a big Iron Maiden fan. Is there a bit of Steve Harris influence there? Because the bass is, is right up in front, which you don't hear all the time in, in hard rock or heavy metal. Um, probably indirectly. I don't play anything like Steve, but I, I've always admired his playing and like how prominent they are on all the on the Maiden albums. But um I mean, well, for starters, I play with a pick the majority of the time anyway, and he wouldn't be caught 
dead playing with one, would he? Be like, oh, I'm fucking playing that, you fucking monkey. <laughs> Slag. <laughs> but yeah, in, indirectly, yeah. I, I like to I like to hear the bass anyway, like in, in any kind of music which I choose to put on. I do as well. It's a, it's a nice when it's nice when you hear it right up there, like a heavy in the mix and or high in the mix, if you will. Um so then um there's a couple of different singers on the album. Obviously, uh, Lewis, you sing the majority of the songs. Dan sings a couple. Um, on the second song, we have Dan on vocals. Uh, is there any particular reason why you decided to have two vocalists? Obviously, the two of you have different styles. Uh, I'd say Dan is, I don't know, maybe a higher pitched or something like that. And Lewis, you kind of remind me, and this is probably where these references are coming in, you kind of remind me of some of the older new wave of British heavy metal singers. Um, I'm hearing things like Angel Witch or that type of stuff in your vocal style. Uh, oh, you'll be happy to hear that, <laughs> Well, yeah, shouting into the microphone and hoping for the best. That's, that's my style. <laughs> Um, I don't think there was a. I don't think there was a conscious decision to split the vocals. I think it was more if I couldn't play a particular drum beat and sing at the same time during during a rehearsal, we'd have Dan sing. Okay. And just so happened with, with certain songs, it would sound better with Dan because um, he has a more melodious voice than I do. And some of the songs call for that, and some of them don't. Okay. Yeah, and on the other hand, I can't do what you do. Like I can't bark into the microphone. I just can't do it. <laughs> But yeah. Okay, so uh, a nice combination of barking and melody. Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, so there's some lovely soloing in that song and some nice vocal effects towards the end as well, I thought. Um, so when, when you're getting together to write these songs, like does somebody come up with... Is there a lyricist in the band or do all of you contribute to that or how does that work? Um, so on the majority of the lyrics were written by myself. Um, nowadays, Dan and I, I think, split it roughly 50-50. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but for the album, um, yeah, it's main, mainly me. I think most of the songs are written lyrically before Dan. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, we had had joined the band. I think um, if you're looking at the first two songs, "Ravaged" and "Still Alive," they were probably fifty-fifty between me and Lewis. I think. Obviously, I I didn't contribute any lyrics. I think the only thing I contributed to those was maybe the "Still Alive" and "Kicking" title, and that was it. I don't really do lyrics. Yeah, I don't really do don't really do lyrics. They are good though, from what I've read. Like the ones which you have written before, like they're good. Well, what, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, do it more often. So to ask a question. Yeah, I, I. Oh, sorry. No, go, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, well, I like like I said earlier, I've only got two credits on the album, um, and generally everything that I've written anyway has been been a co-write. I've not written anything completely myself before. Um, so normally normally one of us will have an idea, like in my case, I'll have a, a riff uh, a riff or two and then I'll bring it to Cameron or Lewis and then, um, yeah, I let them do what they want with it. And normally they do, normally, yeah, normally do a really good job. So then when it comes much. to... When it comes to the writing credits, because this is something that intrigues me, and I don't know, maybe it's a it's a bone of contention, maybe it isn't. But I, I was pl- playing playing with a band myself back in um, lockdown, and we're still kind of doing a bit of stuff, and we decided to split the writing credits uh, equally, uh, even if the person who was playing drums came up with almost nothing, or you know, the the rhythm guitarist didn't contribute anything essentially. Um, how do you manage that? I think we roughly follow a formula, which is Smith will often have a, a riff or the majority of the musical ideas. 
Um, and then it just comes down to who writes the lyrics. But um, no, generally we we share it evenly. Yeah. No, we've never we've never fallen out over it before. No. Not yet. I mean, we're not going to make any money from it, so no point. Well, that's that's the wrong outlook to be having at this point. Well, you know, (laughs) you're pessimistic. (laughs) I'll tell you, we've done all right so far. (laughs) I think uh, the new wave of traditional heavy metal—that's a fucking mouthful. Full Albums Channel has done wonders for the likes of Eternal Champion and even Oath and and many other bands. So I wouldn't write yourselves off uh, just yet. It's a very strong start as far as I'm concerned anyway. Um, Eternal Champion are a great band, aren't they? I've had them a lot on lately. Yeah, absolutely. But like they've like over a million views of their first album. Obviously, a large part of it. Yeah. Well, a large part of it is due to the fact that they're not available on um, streaming services, obviously. But There um, there are some great bands on that channel. I think mm. I, I discovered Oath from there. Yeah, uh, Horn, really, mm. really awesome bands. But oh yeah, I Horn wouldn't. Gets, I wouldn't yeah. have known about. Um, I th- I feel like Dan might have been the first person that told me about the new wave of traditional heavy metal uh, unintentionally because during lockdown we were yeah probably after I heard Fergal interviewing yeah. yeah during lockdown we were uh, out somewhere and you were playing Night Demon and I went what is that that is that oh, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funnily enough, traditional heavy metal in a modern setting, and I was like, "That is awesome!" I've, we've we've got to jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that channel introduced it to me as well, uh, or introduced me to it. I can't remember how I came across it, but um, I didn't. It's re- a Night Demon. It, I don't know if it's no. I think I found Night Demon on Spotify. Um, it was one of those albums. It was Eternal Champion, or it was Haunt, or it was Oath. It was one of those. I can't remember the actual um, sequence, but. Um, I was like, I didn't realise there was this movement, but it's interesting because most bands you speak to who are seen from the outside as being part of the movement don't themselves view themselves as being part of the movement. But oh, really? I, well, I think that's always the case. Like, <clears throat> as it, I've said on other occasions, I don't think Iron Maiden went around saying we're a new wave of British heavy metal band. But that is true. That is true. Even though the media was saying that they were, and uh, even with a lot of bands, they don't even like being called heavy metal. Um, in some cases, but uh, yeah, it, it's always outside forces that kind of create the movement rather than people actually in it. Whether they're it kind of, you're kind of in it, whether you like it or not. Which leads to my question: Now that you're on that channel, do you consider yourselves a part of that movement? Of course. Yeah, I think we did anyway. Yeah, yeah I think we always have done. Ever since we discovered it, really. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that no. label at all. I'm, I'm happy. To, I'm happy for us to be. I think it's that. really obvious that we, we are. are. New yeah. traditional, new wave of heavy metal weather. You know, I'm I'm okay with anything that uh, anything that gives us exposure. You can call us you can call us pop punk yeah. if it gives us fans. <laughs> no, I'm not having that. You're having that. I don't think you're pop at all. But anyway, um, so just before we continue on with the album, you mentioned you recorded it um, and you had a producer. Um, for like seven hundred pounds or whatever, but where where did you record this? Was this in a recording studio? This or did this producer have a home studio? Or how, how did that work? Yeah, we did it in a recording studio, one um one in our hometown. Uh, yeah, we we go there whenever we rehearse generally, and uh, yeah, really good, really good little studio. It's used by a lot of big bands actually. Um, the darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I went to download, and the the darkness were playing, and they parked their bus at our studio got the, I don't know, a taxi down, played the set, and then picked up their bus there because it was charging or something. And they get bands rehearsing charging. for... Yeah, I don't know. They, they have bands uh, rehearsing for uh, 
Bloodstock and things like that. Yeah, some big bands there. Right, so you're in good company. And how did you find the studio recording process? Like, how long did it take? Three days. We did it over weekends. Yeah, right. three days. And how did? Um, I, th- I think we probably could have done our homework a bit more about like miking up drum kit, especially before we went in there. It was good. We we had a um a friend of ours come down on the Friday who who's a lot more clued up than what we are, but yeah, I, I think we probably could have done a bit better in terms of actually recording it. Like, yeah, I don't know. We, yeah, I think I think uh, we went in there with quite a bit of naivety. Um, I I certainly envisaged going in, hitting the drums, shouting into a microphone, and ended up with a perfect record, which isn't what happened. <laughs> but now we know for next time we maybe could have done with an extra do. day I mean there were things that went wrong that were out of our control like um, during uh, I got two fucking flat tyres yeah I was about to say during that. during the uh, <laughs> I, th- I guess you could call it the interlude section of Steamhammer the last song on the album oh which yeah is the, the first longest song we song recorded well. yeah um, there is an anvil the sound of an anvil in it and we went back to um, Dan's house to pick it up to get the and in, in the process of coming back he got a bloody flat tyre and it I was just two, one of those things which it was like oh that's two flat tires. first four hours of recording and this happens and yeah but we, we did it I think we finished on the Sunday probably at I don't know seven or Half eight nine, o'clock yeah it? yeah somewhere yeah. around that and then we just had a big old jam with a couple of friends that came over to use up the rest of the studio time and then went for a beer we did <laughs> Well, just have beer anyway. <laughs> so, Dan, did you get a bill for six hundred and sixty-six pounds to fix your flat tires? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what was it? I, I thought I only had the one flat tire at first, but but the the one on the rear tire was a lot more of a slow puncture. So I knew that one definitely gone down, and then uh, got home again later that evening. I had fucking two flat tires, you know. But yeah, I think it came to like one hundred and fifty quid. So yeah, that that song alone, Steam Hammer, cost me 150 quid. <laughs> <laughs> the Very whole much. album was uh, joke. the whole album was recorded live rather than everything being done individually. So okay. everything was yeah. uh, individually mic'd up, but on a lot of the tracks, by maybe one or two, you're hearing a whole live take. So I was actually going to ask you that. So, and was the producer like so? If you're doing a whole live take. And something goes wrong, do you stop in the middle of the song? Or afterwards, does the producer go, just try that one again? Well, he, we he we didn't actually have the producer around when we were recording it. We only took it to him after. And then he had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were a couple of times. Uh, I seem to remember Steamhammer, probably because it was the first song of the lot. Took a couple of goes. But it, it, oh, that took forever, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, but we, it's, we got there. We got there in the end. I mean, we've been playing the songs for ages. They were just silly fuck-ups, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so We didn't really fall out with each other. I thought we would do. But no, we did all right, We actually. got on pretty much, yeah. I'm going for a walk. <laughs> Play yeah. the fucking note. Don't talk to me! No, not that <laughs> note. The other fucking note. <laughs> Father Ted reference there. Uh, okay, so I mentioned earlier I thought you sounded, in parts, in places, a bit like Black Sabbath. So there's the song Smart Kills. That really gives me a strong Black Sabbath feel. Uh, it reminds me of something really? from Volume 4. Yeah, I was thinking like Tomorrow's Dream oh, wow. or Snowblind, something like that. Uh, oh, wow, okay.
has that kind of riffing. And what I was going to ask you actually is, do comparisons like that bother you? Or do you mind if somebody compares you to another band? Or would you prefer to just be known for your own sound? I think it's interesting to see how people interpret the music. Like, I wouldn't necessarily uh, necessarily say we sound like Tigers of Pantang, but there's a lot of people that do. So, Mm. fair enough. You know, I'm not going to take any anything away from that i think it's interesting to see how people perceive the music yeah i I wouldn't be arrogant enough to say that like oh we don't sound like anyone like we're carving our own path type i fucking hate it when people say that Mm. like come on you know yeah no i've been been, i'm happy with that comparison or you know tigers of pantang whatever really like um yeah i mean i I love all that stuff anyway yeah same i think we all do Okay, so um, actually, back to the album art. I just wanted to ask you about that. Uh, did you commission that from somebody, or did one of you, one of the band come up with that? No, we were going to do. Um, we we're going to release "Marriage by Time" as a single to to begin with, um, and myself and my girlfriend took the photograph of the uh, of the copper copper gate helmet. Barry, cool Barry, um, by the way. Yeah. When it came to <laughs> when it came to doing a, an album cover, I think. We, we just had a complete lack of options and we just wanted to get the album out as soon as possible. So we just opted to use that picture as, as the album cover because it was the... It's quite a good looking, quite a good looking cover, I think. Yeah, we did, I actually, make, we did actually make single covers for every, every song, I think. I think every song well, has did. its own cover. <laughs> well, me and, but me and our, Lewis. Or two or three, I think. Yeah. yeah. They weren't really any good. No, but, no, no. Yeah. Not that we were <laughs> looking... <laughs> It was just the one with Stone. Yeah, I did that, a few jokey ones, didn't I? But they, they weren't ever going to be used for anything. <laughs> and uh, what was the thinking behind that? Were you thinking maybe at some stage all of these songs will have their own, I don't know, release or no, a video? I, or? I think it. I think the plan was to maybe when maybe if we, well, when we officially press it on CD or vinyl or whatever, it'd be cool to have a a booklet which you could flick through maybe and you could have bits and bobs and maybe have say I don't know say it was Smart Kills have the cover there yeah and then have the uh, the uh, lyrics and maybe a little write up next to it yeah I don't know that That'd was the cool. thinking right okay okay yeah that makes sense okay so sorry it's actually a photograph that was taken of that helmet just kind of edited graphically somehow to to come up with oh yeah right. yeah yeah we took that we took that in 2019 I think so it's like bumping around for about two years before we did anything with it. Very good. Okay, so uh, I just noted that the song Smart Kills had a kind of a much cleaner guitar solo uh, part in it than the earlier songs on the album, which I which I enjoyed. Um, so you kind of mix between kind of distorted soloing and clean soloing, and uh, it gives a kind of a bit of a variety to the guitar playing on the album. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I was listening to a lot of Maiden when we were... Well, I, I say right in the song. The song existed... Um, probably before the band was formed. And then Lewis brought it to me and Jack, and then Jack properly left. But um, we then started looking at it. And I think the original idea was not to have a solo until one day I was flicking through my phone and found a little demo I'd done. And it was basically me trying to emulate the solos in Phantom of the Opera. Because I think those solos are awesome. Yeah, But obviously I can't play like that. So I, um, I, uh, I did that little... I did that little demo, and we basically sort of plonked it in there. That's that's how it happened. Hey. I'm really pleased with that solo, actually. It's very almost bluesy at times, I guess. Yeah, it stood out to me, certainly. Um, and then uh, we move on to Scraggard. 
Can you tell me what a scraggard is? <laughs> a scraggard a scraggard is a word I invented I, for the purposes of labelling the person in the song. I assume so I because I googled it and I couldn't find anything except references to your own yeah, no, song. You won't. You, you'll, you'll find you'll find the song now, but you won't find that's that's good to have a unique <laughs> word, though. I mean, you know. Uh, Oh yeah, Shakespeare used to invent words all the time. So. Absolutely, I think he invented the word often. Are you comparing yourself to? Him? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. <laughs> but um, but yeah. no, I mean, I was, we didn't have a, a title for that song for about two years, and I, I think I just got fed up of not having a word to call it, so I decided to make one up. That's how that happened. So what's the story behind that then? You're saying you, you invented the word for the person in the song. Is, is, is it a um, derogatory term or what is it? It sounds derogatory. Also biographical, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's someone who's... Never felt worse. Someone who's a bit... Yeah, yeah. Someone who's uh, not favoured by the opposite sex, likes heavy music, poor fashion sense. A metalhead. <laughs> That's great. Hard. It could be autobiographical. I remember writing that song... I think we first were just sat around in um, at mine. <laughs> we just like think of a groove, and then we both kind yeah, yeah. of uh, congealed that riff. And then we, we certainly we certainly both envisaged some some pissed off bloke walking down the streets, basically. Yeah, uh, but we could never okay. we could never settle up on a song name. That was one of the, like one it. of the first songs we wrote, actually. I think it was the first. Am I to take it to this wrote. person? That, is this person kind of like an incel or something like that? <laughs> he's, up, he's open to interpretation <laughs> <laughs> alright okay fair enough um, yeah. so yeah just, I just noted there as well it's another very bass heavy track so the bass is featured quite prominently on this album I've noticed yeah, yeah I don't play on that one right so is that is uh, that'll be Lewis, Lewis right. Sorry, I'm, 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 I think I whack a bongo drum yeah. head, don't I I can't remember now somewhere yeah very minimal contribution anyway well, sorry I, I, I just um Wanted to go back to something you said earlier. What possessed you to include an anvil in a song? <laughs> Thought we'd make it more the same hammer, isn't it? Heavy metal. Uh, it's the, word, the, the lyrics are orientated around uh, a forge or something, a metalworking forge. So we decided let's put some percussion in. Yeah, and I had one laying about. I'm just going to ask you, where does one yeah, come by an anvil? Indeed. Your dad's garage. <laughs> and I remember yeah. your dad actually. <laughs> He actually said as we, yeah, he, when we put it in the car, he goes, don't lose it, don't forget it. And I was like, how? Yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> how are we going It took two of us. <laughs> what are we talking about, Anvil? In this car, well, in Dan's car, and it was really heavy. Really yeah. heavy. Yeah. Really heavy. I think you'd be hard pushed to, to lose an anvil for some reason, I don't know. <laughs> you, would have, you would think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, so uh, moving on. Dark Dreaming. When I, when I first started this song with the bass intro, I, I thought of the Iron Maiden song Killers. Uh, that's what came to mind. But then it kind of gets into a kind of a trash metal type of song. And Dan, you're singing this one again. Um, and it's it's it, to me it's 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 that kind of like thrash metal without thrash vocals. Uh, and then I noted, later noted that there was some kind of John Schaefer esque riffing, just really really fast riffing later on. I don't know if you're fans of Ice Earth, but uh, that's what I picked up on. And I said the drums really stand out in that one for me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, do you know my only regret with that one is I really wish I'd now called it Dream Walking rather than Dream Walking. I don't know. Yeah, I heard it in a. Um, a film I watched and I thought oh I really like that that would have been a much better title but nothing I can do about I seem it to now. remember with that main riff that Dan came up with during lockdown we yeah we had lockdown, this thing yeah. where we would try and write a riff a day and I seem to remember that came out of it 
and we kind of stewed on it a bit. And then Dan came in with the main riff and the bridge riff. And then me and Dan... And the intro, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we came down and we sort of... I added a few bits and then very quickly a nice little song came together, actually. Which has been really well received, actually. I think that's a song that we didn't think was going to be as well received by a lot of people. But that's that's been played on quite a few little radio stations. <clears throat> yeah, even I'm yeah. not too, these, too big These on that two one, don't really. want to play it live, can I just add? Well, we're going to have to play it. Well, we've played it live already, but we're going to have to now. <laughs> we and why, the song. why is that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just not too fond of it, really. I mean... Uh, it was the the first um, set of lyrics I wrote for the band properly. I wrote it about like uh, sleep paralysis and kind of like falling from one dream to another and like you being in a loop sort of mm. thing. And um, I don't know, like if I could go back to it now, there's probably I'd, I'd do it a bit differently. But I mean, I mean, I'm really critical of my own work anyway, probably overly so. But uh, don't don't all bands yeah. have those songs that they don't like to play? <laughs> mm. But then again, I, I I don't hate it. I'd never say that. I think it's a good little song, actually. And obviously, with people liking it, we're, we're going to definitely put it back in the set. Yeah, interesting I'll, that... I'll probably start to um, enjoy it more after that. Yeah. yeah. So interesting you said it was about sleep paralysis. Is that something you've experienced? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, a lot. Like um, a few times a week. Well, no, no, a month rather, not, so... not weekly. But yeah, <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. You mm. ever had it before? I have, and I actually wrote a song about sleep paralysis. Really? <laughs> yeah. What did you call it? Dreamwalking. Stuck. <laughs> I, I call it stuck because I feel I get the feeling like I'm stuck to my bed and I can't move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I noticed that I can when I when I have sleep paralysis, I can move my eyes and I can move my tongue behind my teeth, and they're the only yeah. parts of my body I can move. The rest of me is stuck to the bed. And then somebody heard the song and they thought it was about the pandemic. So who knows? <laughs> oh, funny enough, you mentioned that because when I wrote the riff, we had the working title of Pandemic for a little while, but right. I don't think that would have aged very no. well because you know people are fucking fed up of hearing about COVID. That would not age very well. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, okay, so moving along, you have a song called Panzer Child. I uh, I don't know yeah, much I German, that. but I know Panzer is the word for tank. Um, and uh, I'm just wondering, like, it's hard to. Make out the lyrics when you can't read them. I find you need to listen to songs a lot. For what I do, anyway. Uh, so, is this like a war song, or what? What is this one about? Uh, it's uh, it's a cheesy metaphor, basically. Um, I suppose it's a, a war inside someone's head. Oh, okay. Uh, life's life's treating him badly. That's his war, and uh, the uh, the armor reference is him getting on with it. I, guess, I suppose. Okay, but I don't think that's cheesy. I think that's actually creative. Um, usually when the word panzer is used, I'm thinking of the band Sabaton. They mean an actual tank, and there's absolutely no subtlety to it whatsoever. So, <laughs> Well, we it's probably the only song on the album that we, with which we started off with the song title first. Mm. Apart from Still Alive, I think. Right. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we thought Panzer Child sounded good, and then we had to come up with some lyrics. It did cross my mind to do another war song, Wall within um, me every day I fight. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for <laughs> my life to begin. <laughs> Good old um, place. Yeah, okay. And I like there's a bit of chanting in this song, but it's not much. It's, it just happens a couple of times, um, kept to a minimum. Yeah, two or three of yeah, but I think like that's good because less is more. Like I mean, there, I'd say there's probably a um, a temptation to if you hit on something that works to kind of just stick it in and stick it in and stick it in. But uh, you, you mm. exercise some restraint there, and I think it works well for the song. 
Yeah, we do. A nice, nice, do nice quick chorus, don't we? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Probably, probably my favourite track on the when, album. When when we recorded the backing vocals for that, um, the producer I remember loaded up eighteen empty tracks for us to for me, Dan. I don't know if Lewis was present. I can't really remember. No, no, not that. But time. Um, to do the backing vocals for that, and I remember him saying we should do different backing vocals for each track. So you'd do a standard one of shouting. Then you'd, Def we Leopard did the one Def Leppard one, it, which was yeah. apparently Def Leppard used to sort of almost yeah, shout like that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently on the Hysteria album, that's what they did. So there's a couple of those. And then there were ones of us being, uh, trying to emulate old men. And then we stood at the back yeah, of yeah. the room and did it. It was really, really yeah, fun yeah. actually. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I, I've done a small bit of that myself and you find out when uh, you hear it back, like you wouldn't have thought so, but um, no, you all of those things combined actually sound really well. Yeah. This yeah, really like a proper wall of sound. Really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's good. I thought it sounded great anyway. Um, you mentioned the lawn in the Oaks earlier. You were playing to, uh, what was it, some guy lying down, or <laughs> was it some guy lying down on the ground? Yeah. Or? yeah. Bless him. He was having yeah, a great I, time. I thought, yeah. <laughs> well, I thought that it was like, it's a very spooky intro. It's a very atmospheric song. It's dancing in that one again. Um, I said here, evoking Aussie vibes, especially with that cackle. Um, quite Sabbathy. Wow. Or, the, uh, the lyric, the lyrics for "Alone in the Oaks" were actually fit to "Solitude" by Black Sabbath. Okay, right. If you listen to "Solitude," they have the pretty much the same the same tune mm. to the lyrics. Right, and that's the instrumental. No, um, solitude no, not instrumental. Track, track seven on Master Reality, I think. And there's mute. I can't, I can't think of it at the top off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, okay. Do you know? Originally, we weren't. So, uh, the boys weren't uh, keen on doing that one, so. Dan came up with that riff whilst I was on holiday with a little jam yeah, session with Lewis, yeah. and they put it in the, our group chat, and I listened to it and I went, it was just just the main riff, the the little bass intro that you hear at the beginning, and I was like, that's great, we've got to definitely do something with that. Yeah, and I yeah, I thought it'd be like too doomy for you. Like I really liked. Oh, it, I loved I it, and I didn't think you'd be that big. No, and then I. Well, didn't really come up with too much to go with it, but um, added the far section and the uh, the little interlude, and then Lewis sort of took all these riffs and structured them, and then uh, I can't remember who wrote the lyrics, but um, it was originally sung by Lewis at the rehearsals, and then um, I think I said, oh, Dan, you should definitely give it a go, and then that's just the genesis of the song. But I remember that song for a while didn't have an ending. If you notice at the end, it has the, that couple of chords that are held and then it has the acoustic outro. That came probably a year later of it being written. It's quite interesting how songs with us almost like mature. Yeah, time, yeah, yeah, they mature. Like yeah, a fine wine. Yes. <laughs> Very good. I actually noticed as well, I thought I, I, I heard a bit of Bill Ward-esque drumming in that song as well. So to me, that was like, um, I don't know, just the, the, the speed at which you were playing or the rhythm that you played, uh, it just evoked Bill Ward in my mind. Sub, subconsciously, probably, yeah. <laughs> well, if, if, you're, there's a slow, if there's a slow tempo song, we'll probably just subconsciously sound like Yeah, it's, it's a kind of subtle <laughs> subtle delicacy or something to the drumming. I don't know, but uh, yeah. it, was, it, it, was, it was there for me. Um, I just looked up the lyrics to Solitude there. I do know the song. I just couldn't think of it off the top of my head. Um, so... Uh, I can't remember which one that is. I'm going to have to look that up. the one with the Ian Anderson flute in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know which one you mean, yeah. Um, and then we're moving on with the album. So uh, Chain of Fools, uh, kind of very heavy guitar riffing, kind of gave me a bit of a, a Ted Nugent vibe. Probably nobody wants to be compared to Ted Nugent. I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> but uh, it reminded me of the song Cat Scratch Fever. That's what that's that's what I got from that. Um, but uh, the really nice hard rock song. It's kind of a 
more of a hard rock song than maybe a lot that's, of the other that's songs the on the cover album. On the album. Oh, is, is it? Oh, it's a cover, is it? Yeah, Tank yeah, cover. So that, that is a cover of a cover. Yeah. So Tank, I didn't realise that. Tank, on the Honour and Blood album, uh, did a cover of Chain of Fools. and almost By complete, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, did the Aretha Franklin song. <laughs> I had no I, idea, I, so I'm, yeah. I'm getting educated here. I, I think at the time we were a bit strapped for songs. Obviously now we're not, because we kind of have bursts of songwriting and we've got quite a few in the, in the catalogue now. But um, we added the cover in... Uh, just to fill the gap and I was quite well I think everyone was quite pleased with how it turned out so that's interesting to me right I've neither heard of the, what you say Aretha Franklin yeah yeah. I haven't heard of that song I, yes. I didn't I wasn't aware of the Tank cover version From either 60s, um, but so when you do something like that um, I assume it's okay to just release it like but if you make money from this album do you have to direct that towards Aretha Franklin's estate how does that work I've got no idea <laughs> Uh, we 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 have a covers license right. on that, which is done through the people who distribute the album okay. via Spotify. Okay. So we have paid for that. Have paid for a covers license on that. And so, okay, right. So, right, yeah. So, when you sign up to Spotify, actually, it was something I was going to ask later, but as it's come up now, you have to kind of almost go through a virtual record company. Is that the process? Even if you don't have one, or or how does that work if you're an independent self release band? We had to make up a record label for it, didn't uh. we? When we, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a friend of the band who um, oh, I can't believe we're, we're discussing <laughs> this on the podcast, but it looks like we're going to. Um, my best ever mate, um, who I all have of known your life, probably yeah, all of my life, literally all of my life. My mum and his mum were friends um, when we were being born, and when they were being born, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, he uh, he got a job at Clackett Lane probably, was it Night last year? Services. Last winter? Yeah, Clackett Lane Motorway Services. And we were talking about it and he said, oh, I've got a job at Clackett Lane. And Lewis misheard him and he thought he said Bucket Lane. So his nickname <laughs> now is Bucket. And when me and Dan were uploading the single, it said you need to put a... Uh, a record label or and it actually said in the in the box it said if you can't uh, if you haven't got one you just make one up so we looked at each <laughs> yeah. other and went bucket records because he 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 comes to rehearsal he's really into the band he he came to the gig and ran the merch stand for us and he's a good friend of ours really is he was meant to do the roadie as well but he did fuck all it's very true yeah, yeah. <laughs> i called him out for it on stage <laughs> so- so I know an Irish lad, he's an Irish hip-hop artist, and he was telling me that he had to go through a, like a virtual record company. Um, so there's this company online which sells their services for a fee, and they act as a de facto record company, um, and they manage that aspect of it, of it for you, but you pay them money. So you're saying you don't actually have to do this, you can just bypass that and put in yeah. some bullshit. You obviously have to pay a little bit of money for it to go up uh, on Spotify. But it's not horrendous. It actually right, was, I didn't know that. very what easy. What platform did we use to uh, upload it to everything? Uh, DistroKid we used. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. DistroKid. That's what he was. That's the thing yeah. he was talking about. So yeah, DistroKid. Distro I thought that was distro kind kid of a, just send it out to like makeshift. YouTube. Uh, I think there's a place called Deezer, Amazon, things like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's that's what he mentioned. Maybe just the way he explained it to me was a bit different to to the re- the reality of it. Um, Right. Okay. So, so Aretha Franklin's going to rake it in from all your uh, views on the on Aretha Franklin, the new wave of traditional heavy metal art. Yeah. 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 Bless him. 
So I, I assume I, I remember I was talking to Anderson ages ago, and I think he told me that channel isn't monetized at all. There's certainly no advertisements on it or anything. So it's it, it isn't, is it? There's no monetization. I don't that. think so. No. No, not that I'm aware of. Okay. So Aretha's gonna be struggling for a few quid. <laughs> she's Actually, she's yeah. dead a long time. But um, <laughs> her family. <laughs> uh, I think the I think the bloke who wrote I think the bloke who uh, oops I think the bloke who wrote the song is dead as well. So I don't know who's getting money from it. All right, so, so she, she didn't even write it, obviously. Right, okay, all right. Anyway, yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Steam Hammer, you talked about. Or, sorry, Indie's Trembling Hands. That was one I was like trying to... I was trying to listen to it and go, what the hell is this song about? Uh, do, you, do you want to enlighten me? Oh, it's... Uh, well, actually, it originally started off as... Uh, it was going to be a sort of a happy driving song. <laughs> um, and we slow the tempo right down. And if you slow the tempo down, it sounds melancholy. So we decided to write it about a bloke in the trenches of World War One. Ah, basically okay. someone in a battlefield looking at a, a photo of his wife, and the photo is in his. The, r- the riff is a bit bit easy top for me though. I know I know you guys can't hear it, but yeah, I, I hear that every time. Oh, you can. No, I can hear it. I can hear it off the yeah, Eliminator <laughs> album. I know what you're you're hearing. Yeah, but when we played it, um, we actually. Uh, came up with that riff when we were recording the Live from Leaf Street demos oh, at yeah. yours, weren't we? Um, a, a long yeah, time 20, ago now. Um, yeah. But yeah, when 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 you listen to the original recording, it had like a a twelve bar almost vibe to it. It was it's yeah, it really was a, different. It was a bouncy song to start. Yeah. With. I don't quite I don't quite know why we turned it into a depressing song. That's all. No, I don't know either. But it, it turned out great. I'm really happy with that song. Really happy. It's pretty. It's probably my probably my pick of the litter. I'd say that. So, all right. Um, interesting. I'd like to see. Like, do you have any plans to include the lyrics on Spotify? I was saying this to Dan yesterday. I, I've I, I really like this new feature they've added where you can listen to the song while reading the lyrics. Is that something you have any intention of doing? I think we'd like to. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't know how you do it. Actually, I have to have, have a look with look at it with you, Cameron. I'll be honest. I thought I'd done it. Uh, my apologies. I will do it with uh, apology accepted. <laughs> Sorry, I all right. No, <laughs> no, no. It was just something. And like, like, I noticed a lot of newer bands haven't done it, but I would imagine it's something like a, a teething issue. Like you're just getting used to the platform, etc. But you, uh, you, you actually can do this thing where once you've uploaded the lyrics, um, there'll be a line highlighted, and say uh, Dan is singing a, a line. You hold the spacebar down. And then when he's finished singing that line, you release it and then press it again when he's singing the next line so that you it moves. record yeah, you record the whole thing and then uh, say you're listening to it on your device, you can have it pop up in time with the music. So Absolutely, yeah. That, so so yeah, a lot of the bigger artists have that, yeah. I wonder I actually wondered how you did that, so that's interesting to learn. That's yeah, that's I think I think Smart Kills has has got that. We did that for the single, but because there was ten tracks, I, I must have just forgotten. <laughs> No, no worries. I was just wondering because one thing I've noticed with bands I've gotten into, I don't know, since fucking I stopped listening to CDs, especially since Spotify, is that I don't know the lyrics whatsoever. So I'd be going to a concert and I'd love to sing along and I might know the chorus, but like I can't because I haven't been sitting there looking at the lyrics. I've been listening to it on Spotify and a lot of them don't just enter my brain in the same way. Whereas like when I was younger, listening to, I don't know, Guns N' Roses or ACDC or Iron Maiden, I was reading the lyrics as I was listening to it. And I miss that actually. I quite, I quite miss it with the whole digital streaming kind of thing. Like, so I, I, I was quite glad to see when they introduced it to Spotify. I do that whenever I buy records. It's uh, The lyrics are 
lyrics are certainly on Bandcamp, yeah, yeah. I think. Okay. I did actually but buy the album. We'll be on Spotify soon. <laughs> I bought it on Bandcamp, yeah, but I just went to Spotify like a whore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I think we're at the end of the album now. No, we're not. Yeah, well, Steam Hammer. I'm, I, I'm assuming this is kind of the real last song on the album, and then I know you added the acoustic version so, of Ravage. Yeah. Um, but to me, this is like, it's faster paced. It's uh, There's lots of instrumental work in it. There's a solo break. There's a drum break. Um, I don't know. I, kind of, I said there's kind of a punky vibe to the vocals in this one. Um, but uh, yeah, I quite like that song. It was it a deliberate choice to leave the longest song to the kind of last song on the album? I don't know. I, I think subconsciously, yeah. Like with, with all the all the Maiden albums, they, they put an epic at the end generally every time, don't they? And mm. yeah, I think in my head, I, I thought, that would be a good idea for us. But I, I don't know if I actually had any in, input on the track placing or anything, but I don't know. What, what, what do you two think? It was uh, it was Smithy's call to put it at the end, but we all agreed with him. So Yeah, he's got the it's all good. massive instrumental bit in the middle, isn't it? Yeah, it goes on for a few I minutes. Think I, I think I might have got a bit carried away with oh let's no, put no, this no, riff in no, oh let's and then and then and then lewis you're gonna do a drum fill oh what okay <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I, I i thought it was good i think it showed your musical chops off um and it's nice to do that in at least one song if you do it in every song maybe not Dream so theater. much but as, as i said in the, in the previous <laughs> no, no, the, track where you, where that you song definitely it, killed us it killed you oh this is the first yeah, one you recorded yeah, yeah, yeah you were saying yeah right yeah the uh the vocals weren't up to scratch on that one um, so we had to redo the. I don't know if you can tell. We had to redo the chorus vocally. Okay. Um, but I mean, all the music was done in one take, I believe. Yeah. And um, so overall, then, oh, sorry, we have ravaged. I wanted to talk about that. So you included a, a an acoustic version of the song "Ravaged." Um, was is this like was this kind of like a bonus track idea or nah. was this always going to be part of the vision of the album? Just a little joke, really. <laughs> it's a laugh. All right. All right. Okay. I had a really terrible it cold. Was at the completely, time. completely unrehearsed. Um, I think we did it on day two. At the end of it, we'd all been a bit uh, tired out of recording. I think the second day we might have done "Pans a Child," "Dark Dreaming." I, I don't know. Uh, memory doesn't serve me correct there, but it was yeah, just we a lot. A bit really. do lally um, by that time, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, and it actually lends itself quite well to a little acoustic version and we actually ended up playing that in a pub oh yeah that uh, was funny i'm not yeah, quite yeah. sure i'm not quite sure how that happened but we went to a a wassail night didn't we uh at the bell which is a pub just up the road from us and uh i don't know what happened but there was this folk band and they wanted a break and and dan handed me a guitar and i was like oh okay let's let's get on with this then and then lewis came out of the toilet and there was me and uh dan playing it and we all joined in it was quite yeah, funny very actually. good very good <laughs> Um, so I was going to say, like you've, you've almost structured a, a reverse Neil Young album where you have the electric version of the song at the start of the album and the acoustic at the end. He's done it the other way in the past where he's had the acoustic version at the start and the electric at the oh, end. Oh, you're a big Neil Young um, fan, aren't you? Was that, a, was that a, a, intended whatsoever or no? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. no. I mean, when Lewis was last over at mine, we were just joking around and we did a really... I, I thought it sounded quite good, like a jokey version of Trembling Hands as a acoustic version. It's quite funny how they lend themselves to acoustic versions, really. Okay, so overall then, how have you... I don't know, like, let me put this in uh, the context of how I would feel. Like, like I think if I, if I had released an album, I'd be like, 
I don't know, checking the YouTube views, checking the Spotify subscribers, all that. Do you care about that stuff or are you just happy to have it out there and like and just let it do what it's going to do? I think we're all happy to just have it out there now. Yeah. And the fact that people are actually appreciating it. Right. Yeah, proper bonus. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's done. It's it's a weight off our shoulders now because as we said earlier, some of the songs have been knocking around for about 4 years. Mm. Yeah. Um, Smart Kills is going up to four and a half years. Um, it's just nice to have it done. Don't have to practice them or rehearse them, um, and to start writing new stuff as well and releasing new stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So on that topic, have you written anything new? Oh yeah, we've got a ton of material. Yeah, we're we're looking at doing an EP in well, recording one in about October, November kind of time. We're going to do that with our mate Aaron, and then probably look at releasing it in. Early 2023. 2023. 2023. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. 200,000 yeah. years into the future. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but we've, we've also got a lot of stuff for um, uh, a second album whenever whenever that will be. And I've got so, a lot more writing credits. I've really, really pulled my finger out this time. You know? Very good. Mm. So on that topic then, the, uh, you're an EP. So a lot of bands I've noticed, especially like, um, let's say, new wave of traditional heavy metal bands, they release EPs or they release singles sporadically um, in between albums. Sometimes those songs end up on the next album. Sometimes they don't. They're yeah. standalone. What is your approach to this? If you do release an EP, is that going to be part of your next album or is it just going to be a stopgap? No. I don't mean stopgap. I just mean, like, is that going to be a standalone release and then you'll do yeah. something new entirely? Yeah, yeah, it'll be completely standalone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we have four tracks for it already. And um, and we already know what we're going to be doing for the second album, and uh, they're completely different tracks again. Yeah, we got five tracks. Five, Lewis says yeah. there with his hand. Oh, five! Oh, my mistake. Okay, yeah. five. five. Is a, it, it's forgotten one. <laughs> it, it kind of is a stopgap, uh, just to sort of get something out there, whack it out, and then maybe yeah, yeah maybe, we we, yeah. we don't we don't want to sit around. I mean, as you know, we were sitting around for four years for the first album. We just want to get something else out there again. Mm. Yeah, rearings again. And I think we got we got so frustrated. We, we had a lockdown for about a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So we got so frustrated waiting to actually release music. We just want to get some more out there straight away. Okay. We've so we've got to be we've got to be productive when we get together, anyway, because Tucker's out in Finland half the time anyway. So we, we need to wait for him to come back every time, and then we're we're really productive when we get together, but we're not as productive as as I would like to be. You know. But, yeah. Yeah. You're living in Finland half the time. Oh, I'm in Finland as we speak. Yeah, but the thing right. is, I mean, half half of the first album was written with me in Finland, so it was written. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say was during lockdown via WhatsApp. WhatsApp, yeah. Basically, and then when I when I, I came back, we all knew the songs already, so all we had to do was just yeah. jam them and lock into to one another. So okay. it, I, I yeah. mean, it does I mean work. more in terms of gigging. Like, oh, I'd yeah, like yeah. to be able to do yeah, that a lot more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, next year we're definitely going to look at doing some gigs. We've been quite um, lucky that um, there's a, another band that we met on Instagram that's been really nice to us uh, and has uh, got us every gig we've done. Uh, only two, but they've been very nice to us. Uh, Clay Soldiers on our Instagram yeah, have managed nice. to take us out, haven't they? Yeah. Very good. So, um, so I was going to ask you what the future holds other than the release of an EP. You've just answered that question. You do intend or hope to do more gigs. How are you? Like, what's the process like for? You mentioned that band, obviously, but like, what's the process like outside of that? Maybe for getting gigs, do you approach bars, venues, promoters, 
or how or have you a plan in place? I think we'll have to do some we'll have to do some networking. Uh, keep it true, maybe. We've got a we've got an offer for <laughs> German band got in touch. I, I was only saying to Dan. <laughs> we've got a German band get in touch with us. Uh, a couple a couple of months back. I want to take us on tour, in Northern they? Germany, we'd love to tour with you. So maybe a. Maybe right. another trip to Germany. Definitely. What was the band? Uh, they're a band called Reaper's Joke. I think they're from Hamburg. Okay, I haven't heard of them. I was only saying to Dan jokingly, I, obviously you're all going to keep it true, um, that it'll be a nice a yes, nice networking opportunity, oh, uh, but like yeah. it kind of would. Like, Yeah, we are, yeah. The last time I was there, there was a band playing that didn't even have an album out. Um, so it's not completely outside the realm of possibility that you might do something like that. What bands were they? I think there's a band called Century, as far as I remember. Uh, I've heard of them. I don't I, know where I've heard of them. I don't think at the time they had an album out. I think they may have just had a single. Um, and they were like opening band day one type of thing or, or something like that. I didn't watch them, to be honest. But um, yeah, there was definitely a band who didn't have an album out. And um, I, they obviously had a bit of buzz online about themselves. Um, I'm, just, I'm just looking them up here to see if I'm talking shite. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, honestly, like when I was there, your man Ollie, the promoter, was just walking around the festival, hot, like hobnobbing, talking to anyone who went, who wanted to go over and talk to him. Uh, my friend Arcadi, um, was like, "That's Ollie over there." If you want to go and chat to him, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "No, I'm alright, thanks." I'd got it. I think we will. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so to this day, to this to this day, ugh, to this day, the band still doesn't have an album out. They had a demo out in 2020, and they had a single out in 2022, which is after last year's festival but they were playing at uh, Keep It True so there you go um, How long were they playing for? I don't know well, like half an hour I reckon I think half an hour was the, the, the shortest slot anyone got and I didn't see them oh, right. so okay. I reckon it was must have been half an hour but yeah Okay fair enough Our first gig was 20 minutes wasn't it? There was a, a, a lot to cram in in 20 minutes and then the, the last one we did was half hour and we, we felt really bur- uh, blessed with that one that was at the Fighting Cox venue in Kingston, wasn't it? That's like a, a, a local rock bar, and it's such a good atmosphere there. Yeah, really cool pub. All right. Well, I think that probably brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, thanks very much, all of you, for joining. At three of you at the same time. I uh, really appreciate it. And Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. You're very welcome. Before we finish up, where can people find you? How can they contact you? Do you want people to contact you? Do you engage with people online? Yeah, you do. Yes. Instagram's the biggest place, but um, Facebook, uh, we've got a few YouTube videos out. Um, we haven't got a YouTube channel yet. We probably should work on that. No, we do, don't we? I thought we did. Well, they're uploaded to Lewis's account, aren't they? No, I thought we had a bad it's, one. Um, it's this joke. Not, not yet. It's not, it's not really a channel. It's not an active oh, channel. Okay, um, yeah. but, okay, but yeah, basically Facebook, just search Facebook, Armstrong Gun. Bandcamp. Fair yeah, enough. we we like like to have uh, messages from anyone really <laughs> taking okay. an interest. And has that uh, has that ramped up since you had your album on the new wave of traditional heavy 1, metal? One thousand percent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've been played on a fair few radio stations recently. We've been in Greece. Uh, we did New York City. I'm told we're going to be yeah. I'm told we're going to be in America again on some kind of podcast. Um yeah it's it's been really really good
Alright, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Feckin' Metal. I'd like to thank all of you for joining. I really appreciate it. Check out the new Armstrong Gun album. It's available on Bandcamp, Spotify, YouTube, and as the lad said, you can contact him on various social media platforms. Just search Armstrong Gun. So again, thank you, all three of you, for joining, and uh, I will see you all. Keep it true. Yeah, keep it true. Thank you. Thank you, Fergal. Catch you then. We'll see you there, definitely. There we go. Excellent. Good stuff. Thanks very much. Alright, so that was the interview with Armstrong Gunn. I hope you enjoyed it. Look out for their debut album, self-titled, available on Bandcamp, Spotify, uh, the YouTube New Wave of Traditional Heavy Metal full albums page, and probably elsewhere as well. They have some merch on the way, I know. Um, I saw a glimpse of one of the t-shirts that they've been working on recently. It looked really good, so I'll be looking forward to getting one of those myself. Um, and just regarding the future, near future of Feckin' Metal, I have... The final part of the Virtual Eleven series, I think, fingers crossed. Um, I do want to catch up with Andrew again at some point in the future to discuss the feedback from those as well. Um, who knows when it will be now, because I'm about to go and visit him in four days over in Canada um, for his wedding. Um, so it will probably be after that at some point. We're also going to see a gig, uh, Haunt and Seven Sisters, over in Ottawa. Really looking forward to that one. It happened to coincide with the trip to Canada, so why not go and see a gig while you're over there? Um Then, coming up as well, I had a chat with my friend Kevin. We talked about lots of different heavy metal topics, and we plan to chat again as well um, to kind of finish off that conversation. That will probably be released in two episodes, I'd imagine. And then the chat I had with Mick Wall, I've been advised, will be available on Spotify and elsewhere shortly. And I'm going to put it up as well after he's had it up for a while. Uh, That's my interview with Mick about Iron Maiden. So, some things to look forward to in the near future that's going to do it for this episode of Beck and Metal I've been your host Fergal Trainer and I'll see you next time